You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardenbaptist.org. If you have your Bibles open to Romans chapter 1 this morning, we've been preaching a series called We Are Sent. And you know here at Hardin, we believe there's five purposes of the church. We gather, we connect, we serve, we give, and we go. And so after coming home from Brazil and getting to go on our behalf, I get to share with you about us as a church going. I want you to remember I had the opportunity of sharing the first message in this series, and I got to remind us of the responsibility we have of gathering together. We gather here at Harden, first day of a brand new week on Sunday in honor of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we ultimately meet together, and as we meet together, we display our identity because we are the called out people of God. We meet to carry out the agenda of God's kingdom. He's given us the keys to the kingdom, and whatever we do down here, it counts forever. So I get to close this series. We are going to add one more next week. Corey will tell you all about that in just a minute. But now we're going to talk about going, but instead of just call it going, I want to call it scattering. We gather, then we scatter. We gather, and then we scatter. And we're going to talk about gathering and then scattering. But before we begin, I just got to share something happened to me. The day before I left to go to Brazil, you know I had to leave a little early. There was a man from Brinesburg Baptist Church who dropped this envelope off to Sydney at the church wanting her to give this to me. He and I had talked on the phone. He asked me would I be willing to take something to Brazil to give to three of our team missionaries and one other person who I did not know. The reason this man wanted me to take these items to these four people was because Brinesburg Baptist Church went with us on a mission trip last summer. And this man fell in love with our team and this other person who went with us to translate for him. And so he dropped off this envelope and at the top of it just says, Pastor Ricky, Hardin Brazil Missions. And then it says, Pastor Pedro, $50. Wallace, $50. Bruno, $50. Jonathan Aguilar, $100. And then it says from, and it's got his name here, George and Nancy. And so I agreed. So when he dropped this off, because it had money, I thought, well, I better make sure it's right. So I looked in here, and there was a $100 bill, and there was three $50 bills, $250. Something strange happened to me the moment I took this envelope. I never took the money out of the envelope. I had my personal money that I take with me when I go to Brazil, and then I have our money that I take with us that when I go to Brazil. I have a backpack that never leaves my side when I'm in Brazil. It's primarily got my passport in it. It's got my money. I don't trust leaving it anywhere but with me. And so I decided to put this envelope with the money beside my money, and the church's money, and my passport. All of a sudden, I realized 
I agreed to receive something that wasn't for me. It was for someone else. And I felt this obligation come over me that I now owed this money to these four people. And I made a commitment to the best of my ability while I was there, I was going to deliver the money to them. I arrived in Brazil on Saturday morning and guess who picked me up at the airport? Wallace, all by himself. And I have this envelope in my backpack. Wallace picks me up, we hug, we get in his car, he takes me to my hotel, drops me off at the hotel, and when he dropped me off and he leaves, I went, I forgot to give him his money. This isn't my money, this is his. So him and his wife picked me up that night and I want you to get this picture. I've got my backpack with me with this money in the backpack and we go out to a lovely supper. He brings me back to the hotel. I take the elevator up to the hotel and in the middle of the elevator ride up to my hotel room, oh, I forgot to give him what had been given to me. Sunday morning I get up and I'm gonna go to church with Bruno and Kimberly and guess what? Bruno's name's on this envelope. I go to their church in downtown Manaus. It was an awesome church. We had an awesome time. After it was over, their church actually meets in a mall. And after we uh, had church, uh, then we walked through the mall. And I'm thinking, boy, this would be neat. If we had a mall in Harden and we, you know, had a church in the mall and you could just go shopping. I mean, it's not good for us guys' pocketbook, but I mean, but still would be a great idea. So we're walking through the mall. We're having a good time. We have a great lunch. And then we get in Uber. I go back to the hotel. They go to their home. And guess what? I didn't give them their money. Sunday night, I go to church with Wallace and Marjorie. Wow, a church that has over 12,000 people in attendance. I'm in a church service with about 3,000 people. They have four services on Sunday. I'm sitting with Wallace, we have a great time. We go out to eat supper again. I go back to the hotel, guess what? Forget to give him his money. This is bothering me. How can I have something with me that belongs to someone else, but when I'm with them, I don't remember to give it to them? So here's what happened. He picks me up on Monday morning to drive me to the airport because on Monday morning, I'm going to fly to Manaus without Wallace and Marjorie, and I'm going to be in Parenchines for five days before they come, and I've told everybody in Parenchines, I don't want anybody with me who speaks English because Brother Ricky's going to navigate the whole city by himself and try to speak Portuguese. But guess what was on my mind? I've got something that belongs to Wallace. So you know what I did before I got on that plane and before he left, I said, Wallace, here's $50 that George wants you to have and here's $100 that he wants Jonathan to have. I do not know Jonathan, but you know Jonathan. Will you give it to Jonathan? He said he would. I said, now, when you give it to Jonathan, don't you send me a picture? I want the $100 bill in the picture. So that I know you gave to him what was given to me that I'm giving to you because this isn't yours, this is his. He agreed to do that. 
Now get this picture. I'm going to fly now with Bruno and Kimberly because Kimberly's mother lives in Parenchines and they're going to be with me for five days but not be with me because I've told them you cannot come to the hotel. You cannot go with me. We're in the city. I do not want an English translator. I want to do this all on my own. And I did. I'm on a plane with them and guess what? Forgot again to give them their money. Here's what happened. I'm teaching the book of Romans. I'm teaching and all of a sudden thought hits me. In your backpack right beside you, you've got Bruno's money. So I just call a timeout, say to Bruno, Bruno, I got $50 that I owe you. Can I give this to you? And then he says, yes. We announced everybody what I'm going to do. I go over, I get out the backpack, and I give Bruno his $50. Pastor Pedro's sitting in the back. He's on this list. Never goes through my mind to give Pastor Pedro his money at the same time. Pastor Pedro is a great friend of mine. Can I tell you when I gave Pastor Pedro his money? I never did. I mean, I did. But I'm in the airport getting ready to fly home. And I'm leaving some money with Hardin Brazil to do ministry in the next few months, your money, our money. And then I see my envelope. And it's still got a $50 bill in it. Pastor Pedro and Louisa rode with me on the plane from Parenchines back to Manaus so they could see their children. We said bye at the airport the day before and it never went through my mind. I had something that belonged to him. So now guess what I gotta do? I called Pastor Pedro on the phone. I really did. Had a conversation with him in his language of Portuguese. And I said, Pastor Pedro, George from Brinesburg sent $50 with me. I'm supposed to give it to you, but I couldn't remember to give it to you. Is it okay if I leave it with Wallace and let him give it to you? And he said, yes. My envelope's empty. Because I was entrusted with something that wasn't for me. It was for someone else. That reminded me of the Apostle Paul. So let's open our Bibles to Romans chapter 1, verses 14 through 17. And let's hear what he has to say to you and I, the church, this morning. Stand with me as we turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 1. ESV says, verse 14, I am under obligation. King James, New King James, other translations say, I am a debtor. I am a debtor both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish. So I'm eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Father, please add your blessings to the reading of this year's word. Please let this church know how happy, excited, thrilled, I am to be here this morning. 
Thank you for the opportunity that you give this church to influence so many on the bank of the Amazon River and for the personal privilege I get to be the face of Hardin Baptist Church to so many people on the Amazon River. What a privilege you give us to influence churches and pastors as we get to teach the Bible to them. But Father, now we've gathered to hear from you And while this church believes in gathering, it believes in connecting, it believes in serving, it believes in giving, Lord, you know we also believe what you teach us about going, about what happens when we scatter. So Father, now, let us take Paul's words and realize that the gospel that was entrusted to him has also been entrusted to us. And when we leave here this morning, may we truly know who you entrusted it to us for. And it's in your precious son's name we ask you to not let us be hearers only, but doers of your word and not a speaker only, but a doer of your word. It's in your precious, precious son's name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Paul said, I'm a debtor. He's introducing himself to the church of Rome where he's never been. He's never preached there. He wants to go to preach there after he's dropped off an offering in Jerusalem because he wants to go preach to the church at Rome to have some fruit there. But ultimately, he wants their support in taking the gospel to Spain. He tells them he feels an obligation to come and share with them. King James says, Paul said, I'm a debtor. Now, most of the time when we think of someone being a debtor, we think of someone who's borrowed something, money from someone else, a bank, a person, and now they're in debt until they repay that loan. And normally there is a payment schedule for that person to pay back and then one day be relieved of the debt when everything is paid. But I think we agree spiritually that's not how Paul's using this phrase. I think he's using it as I used my story earlier. Paul believes he was entrusted with something. And the reason he was entrusted with something wasn't for him only, but it was given to him for other people. And it made him feel like he was a debtor. He needed to give to others what God had given to him. And that was the gospel. And he lived his life with an obligation so that when he met people, he just questioned, is this a person to whom I'm supposed to give what's been given to me? And that's the gospel. Wow. Can I ask you this question? As a Christian, do you believe you've been given the gospel? And do you believe it wasn't just given for you, but it was given for others? Do you feel a sense of when you meet people 
Is this someone I should give what I have to? Because it's really for them. And that's the reason it was given to me. Or do you never think about this? This is really serious. Paul said, I'm eager to preach the gospel. This word preach, it's not what we normally think of. This is not the word that means to stand in front of a group of people and deliver a message that you've prayed over and you've studied from God's word and you believe as the pastor of a church or as an apostle, you have a word for an audience. This word basically means to share, to publicize, which means to make known, to proclaim, to just announce good news. Wow. Is this exciting? Paul's eager to share the good news. Now, we know what the good news is, right? The good news is Jesus. Paul, when writing to the church at Corinth, defines the gospel basically as the death, burial, resurrection, and appearance of Jesus. The good news is God so loved us that he sent his son in a body like ours to take on sin. And after 33 years, he condemned sin in the flesh, tempted like we are, yet not one time did he sin so that he could ultimately go to a cross and die our death. And as the son faced the wrath of God, pay our penalty, break sin's power, and then after making atonement, Dying, being buried, three days later, rising again. That message has been entrusted to you and it's been entrusted to me just like it has the Apostle Paul. And when we receive this good news, when we receive this gift from God, it wasn't for us only. It was for others. So here's the question. How many of you feel that obligation? How many of us honestly get up and feel like we owe something to somebody? I went to Brazil not just to teach the book of Romans. I went to Brazil and for the first time realized I was a debtor. Not to God, but to Pedro, to Wallace, to Bruno, and to Jonathan. Because a man who loved them gave me something that was not for me but was for them. 
How many of us have that sense as a believer that God has given us the gospel, but he didn't give us the gospel for us. He gave us the gospel for someone else. And we live looking for opportunities to share that. Make it known. Publicize it. And then when we have the opportunity and we go so locked in onto something else that when they leave, we went, oh man, I blew it. Please tell me this is happening to you. We can't just gather. We can't just connect. We can't just serve. We can't just give. We scatter. And we scatter for a purpose. And that purpose is to give to others what God has given to us. Paul says, I'm eager to share this good news. And then he's going to give us four reasons why he's eager. And here's the first thing he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Now, I've never thought a great deal about that phrase, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because I didn't believe Paul was ashamed of the gospel. I think that's just something he said. But maybe there was times he was ashamed of the gospel. I mean, why would you say this if you didn't struggle with that a little bit? And here's what I think Paul knows. I think Paul knew there was times when we Christians truly are ashamed of the gospel. We're ashamed to tell it to our dad. We're ashamed to tell it to our granddad. We're ashamed to tell it to our boss. We're ashamed to tell it to our best friend. We're ashamed to... I ain't going to raise your hand, but you've been there before. Paul now is eager to get to Rome because he wants to go to Spain after he drops off this love offering because he's eager and he's eager because he's not ashamed. Now, why would Paul have been ashamed? I think there's two reasons. I think he tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. When Paul talks about the sharing of the gospel and the proclaiming of the gospel, he talked about how the message was foolishness to the Gentiles and how it was a stumbling block to Jews. Can I be totally honest with you? This is really a foolish story. If it was not for God's Holy Spirit empowering this message, I don't think any of us would believe this that there was a God who loved his creation so much that he sent his son just like them in a body like theirs to take on sin and to redeem them, put him on a cross and put all their sin on him and him become a sin offering and him turn his face and then pour his wrath down upon him and him suffer the eternal consequences of hell. The one who had never done anything wrong to pay for a bunch of sinners where there's none good, no, not one. There's none righteous, no, not one. 
There's not one that seek him. There's not one that love him. They all hate him. And then he died. And then he got back up. And then he went back to his father's right hand side. But we're ashamed of that sometimes. We're ashamed to tell someone that if you believe that message, you come into a right relationship with God and we don't tell it. We will amen it in here. But then not talk about it at the plant. Not talk about it in the showroom. Not talk about it at the ball game. Amen. It's a stumbling block. <laughs> to tell the Jewish people that their Messiah died and that death on the cross means there's no works we do. It's complete trust in him, not in us. And we're not under law now, we're under grace. The Jew just couldn't fathom that. So many Christians would not tell the Jew because they were ashamed. Now what did Paul say in verse 24? There's another group. There's the Gentile, there's the Jew, who the message is a foolishness to, and it's a stumbling block to. But then he said, but to those who are the called, it is the power of God and the wisdom of God. See, the reason Paul is not ashamed of the gospel is because he knew there was a group who this message would not be foolishness to, it would not be a stumbling block to, but it would be to them the power of God for salvation. Wow. And that's what he says here. I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and to the Gentiles. It's not to one group of people, it's not to one race of people, it's to everyone everywhere. And what is this good news that we've been entrusted? It's the power of God. It's the power of God to bring a sinner to a full and final salvation where one day he's just like Jesus and he has a glorified body and he lives with God forever and ever. But before then, while he's still here, God justifies him. God brings him into a right relationship with himself. And then God begins to sanctify him until the day he dies, moving him further and further away from the image of Adam and more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And that's the good news we've been given. It's the power of God. It's the key to the kingdom that unlocks a brand new life for that person who believes the message. And that's been given to you and it's been given to me and it wasn't given to us just for us. It was given to us for them. Amen? Paul says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. Whoa. This gospel that we've been entrusted with, 
You know what it reveals? It reveals the righteousness of God. Those of you that studied the book of Romans before you know that righteousness of God is used three different ways in the book of Romans. There's times it's referring to an attribute of God. It's referring to that God is righteous. God's just. God always does what's right, can't do what's wrong ever. So it talks about his very nature, this very attribute he has, he's righteous. But then there's another time where it's talking about the saving activity of God, of how God makes a man right with himself in his son Jesus. And then there's another time it's being used where it's talking about the divine accomplishment of God. So I want you to catch this. The divine accomplishments of God is when God transforms that sinner into a saint. He does not leave him as he was, but he makes him brand new. And it's not a work of man, it's a work of God. So don't you listen to me. We've been entrusted with the good news of how God makes a man right with himself. And when God makes that man right with himself, it reveals that God is righteous to do it. And when God does it, he doesn't leave the sinner as he was. He transforms him into a saint of God. Wow. That's the message we've been entrusted with. It's been given to us, but it's been given to us for someone else. So why do we need to deliver it? Why do we not need to just gather? Why do we also need to scatter? And why do we scatter more than we gather? Because verse 18 says the wrath of God is already being revealed. Right now. Against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men. And here's what this is teaching. Yes, we know there's going to be a future aspect of wrath where God judges man in sin for his sin and he's separated from God forever and ever in a lake of fire. But man's already under the wrath of God right now. That's a sinner. And you know what the wrath of God is according to Romans 1? God lets sinful man be as sinful as he wants to be. You and I at the church look around at an unbeliever and wonder why God's letting him get by with what he's getting by with. He's not getting by with anything. He's already separated from God. And God's backed off. God's turned him over to his sinful ways and letting him be as sinful as he wants to be. And so the reason God wants us to share what's been given to us with that man is so that he can be safe from that. He can be safe from being a sinner. He can be safe from a life that's as sinful as it wants to be. Because God knows there's tragedy in that life for that person. You know who he uses to bring the good news to him? You and me. You and me. See, here's what we know. Brother Ricky gave the money to the men. But it wasn't my responsibility to account for how they spend the money. It's theirs. We're just called to share. That's as far as we can go with a person. I used to didn't share because I thought it was my responsibility to convince them to believe and if they didn't believe, it was on me. 
God opened my eyes a long time ago. That's not true. You listening to me? We've been entrusted to give the good news. We do not cause the person to believe or not believe. That's between them and God. But you know what we believe? We believe that whoever confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord and believes in their heart that God raised from the dead, they will be saved. Because with the heart one believes to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We also believe this. Can they call on whom they have not believed? No. And can they believe in whom they have not heard? No. And can they hear without someone being sent? No. We are sent. If I understand the scripture correctly, Paul says, no one seeks God, none's righteous, no, not one. God's not telling the church, the world, I've raised up a church, go to church. He told the church to go to them. He did not tell them to come to us. Oh, we're ready. Home court advantage, come to Harden on Sunday morning, we're going to tell you about Jesus. No. We tell them about Jesus where they are. In their home. In their business. At our work. At a ball game. On a vacation. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. You've been entrusted. I've been entrusted. We've been entrusted. With the gospel which is the power of God. Which when shared reveals how God makes a man right with himself. And that reveals that God is righteous to bring a sinner into a right relationship with him and not leave him as he is, but transform him into a child of God, a saint of God. So here's the question. We believe in the Great Commission. Make disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching all things he has commanded us. And then we have this promise. It doesn't say, and I will be with you always, even to the end of age. It says, I am with you always. Now, can I just be honest here? If we go back to Acts chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 28 and read those great mission accounts, commission accounts, we are the end of the earth here in Harden. Amen? We were not Jerusalem. And we were not Judea. And we were not Samaria. And we weren't Europe. And we weren't Africa. And we weren't Southeast Asia. And we weren't Japan. And we weren't Australia. You know where we were? We were the end of the earth. 
But praise God, the gospel got here. Amen? Now, what do we do? Do we just want a better life? Are we about us? Or do we turn this thing around and go, now we take the gospel, but we start in Harden. And we go to Marshall County and Callaway County. We go to Graves County and we go to Henry County, Tennessee. And you know that county on the other side of the river up there north? And, you know, across the river, you know. Yeah, we go there too. And we go to Brazil. We go to Nicaragua. We go to Africa. We go to Southeast Asia. But we don't choose here or there. We choose both. And so when we scatter in just a few minutes, here's who I want you to have on your mind. Here's who I believe God may have given the gospel to you for. I learned this when we used CWT to train ourselves how to witness here as a church. I believe this come from a man named George Thompson who was an evangelism professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He died of cancer in 1980. But he come up with this little thing called concentric circle of concern. And so I just want you to imagine your life being in a little circle. And then there's some people right around you called your immediate family. And then there's some people around them that's called your relatives. Then there's some people around them that's called your friends. Then there's some people around them that's called your neighbors. Then there's some people around them that's called your associates. Then there's some people around them that's called your acquaintances. And then there's a whole lot of other people you come in contact with, but you do not know them. They're just person X to you. Is it possible that God gave the gospel to you to give to a family member or a relative or a friend or a neighbor or an associate or an acquaintance. Or a person that you do not know but you're going to meet this week. Is it possible? Are you going to live like it? Are we going to do more than just gather and connect and serve and give? Are we going to scatter and just share this good news that's been entrusted to us? So I want us to pray for ourselves. I almost forgot to give Pedro his money. $50 doesn't sound like much to me or you, but that's big in Brazil. I 
I don't want Pedro living without what was given to him, that was given to me. And I'll tell you what's on my heart. In a fresh way. I don't want anyone else in my life living without what I'm supposed to give to them that was given to me. And that's the good news. So can we pray for a family member? A relative? Might be two cousins. Might be an aunt. Is there a friend? That neighbor around the corner? That person we've been working with for 20 years and we've talked about basketball and football and baseball and family, but never Jesus. Yeah, that little person that takes our credit card at the DG. At Walmart. At Culver's. You know that person that we run into at the bank? Don't really know him, but we're acquainted. Can we ask God to lay them on our heart? And just see, may not, but just see if what's been given to us, we're supposed to give to them. And then that person X. You know that person that comes into our life and Wow, all of a sudden, there's just an opportunity and we sense that, whoa, I don't normally do this, but I really need to, because the conversation is letting me talk to you about what I've been given. And we share it. Or possibly, person X isn't in just Callaway and Marshall County or Kentucky. They could be in Brazil or Nicaragua or Africa. And you know what? Person X may be a nation. You know what God just might impress upon you in the next few weeks as you pray? Yeah, short-term mission trip. I know, completely out of your comfort zone, I get it. Or possibly, yeah calling you you and your family to move to a nation so that you can share the good news of Jesus just one final question Have you been entrusted with the good news? Will you share it? Will you share it? So the next time we say we are sent, we're all going to be reminded we gather to worship on Sunday. But then Monday through Saturday, we scatter. 
to share what's been given to us. Can't tell you how good it feels to come home with an empty envelope. Can't tell you how good it feels when you share the gospel. Don't make this about whether they believe or don't believe. Make this about sharing the gospel. That's all we're called to do. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your son Jesus. Thank you for this great news that we have, the good news of the gospel. Father, please forgive us, pardon us, because there's many of us here that never share this good news. We don't think about it. We believe that's for someone else to do. When it's not, it's the responsibility of each and one of us who know you as Lord and Savior. Thank you for the opportunities you're going to give us this week. Thank you for the people you're going to burden us with that we're going to start praying for. And thank you for the people whose lives are going to be changed because of the gospel. It's in your precious, precious son's name we pray. Amen. You're listening to audio from Hardin Baptist Church. For more audio content or other information about our church, please visit hardinbaptist.org.